0: This week, just uh, a few nights ago, I was just asking the Lord, and, and uh, I just felt inclined to do so in an unusual way, just to ask, I said, Holy Spirit, I just want to clear my mind and spirit from what anything, there's many things you've been speaking to me, but what is it you would want me to share with your people on, on this Saturday night? And um, I, I ask in general, it's not like it's a novel idea that a minister or pastor asks, Holy Spirit, what he should share with the people. But there was uh there was something I was going in a certain direction with and there was just a redirection from from the Holy Spirit. And that night he began to speak to me. And um I'm gonna share with you the advanced tool of gratitude. And you can say, Oh no, this is not gonna be revelation. This is gonna be boring stuff. I already know it's not. And again, this idea of the advanced tool, you know, as we're, uh, it's been so enjoyable uh, just hearing what the stuff Bob Hartley received for the beginning of the year and how it just, again, it's, it just correlates and is Siamese twins with what the Lord is speaking to us about this season, what's going on. But we have really embraced the part of his word that the, for the first 40 days of This year, 2011, we want to enter into this thing of adoring the Lord, a season of adoration, not to check it off as a spiritual discipline, but because it is necessary for us to see him in a magnified way. And that goes with you know, the scripture, the theme scripture for this building, for, for our call here, Psalms 34, three and four. Our building is Pleasantdale 34, 34, and we are zip code 30340 here. So the Lord really has been emphasizing this. And that Psalm 34, three and four is magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. And then it speaks of the Lord giving us a radiant face in the midst of all this. And so there is this this fact and reality that as we can magnify the Lord, see him the size he really is, see him as big and as good as he really is, it causes, it breaks the power of our fears. And generally, you can be, uh, just know this about yourself, some instant self-diagnosis. If you suffer a lot from fears, he hasn't been magnified enough in your life. Because if he is magnified, if he's brought into the forefront enough and you see him enough, he begins to break the power of fears. And so in this experience that Bob saw, uh, he had an encounter with the Lord. He saw, and he was concerned initially of five great waves coming to the nations and and our nation included. And he was used to hanging out in the spirit about 30 feet in the air uh, and and seeing things from a higher perspective than saying from down, uh, you know, ground level ground zero, and but he saw these tsunami waves coming in, and they were like 70 feet. He said they were 70 feet waves, and he heard the Lord tell him that the, the, the level of hope that he had operated out of up to this point was not going to be enough, and that he was going to have to get to a higher level of hope, be, be able to see the Lord in a more magnified way, and so that there was a need for advanced tools, and the advanced tools, we understand it, that we're, we're going into this thing of adoration as we adore the Lord. We began to see him in this greater, larger way. And as he began to adore the Lord, he was taken uh, in the spirit to a place five million feet above the earth. And from that perspective, he was with the Lord. I believe he's looking over the pavilion of heaven or something like that. And he saw the earth in an entirely different way. He saw the whole earth begin to become a garden. And he saw. He says it was a million times better than he could have possibly imagined or described what began to happen on the earth. From here, he was seeing tsunamis. From there, it was amazing what God was doing. So the Lord is saying to us, and this is what we're, we're stepping into, is that we must see him in, in, an increased, uh, in an increased way, in a magnified way, in order that... We have his perspective on things, as Bob likes to say, a view from above the clouds. Because if we have a view from below the clouds, we're not even going to ask the right questions. That's why the basic focus of this first 40 days is let's get into, let's see him how good and how large he is. Understand him in that way before we even ask him questions, because we'll ask him dumb questions. We'll ask him questions that aren't relevant. You know? If you see him the size and the goodness of what he really is, you'll ask him different questions. Orphans will ask different questions than sons. And really part of this process is us beginning to leave this orphan spirit and begin to step into a son or daughter spirit where we have a greater confidence before our Lord. And so tied in with this is the key of gratitude and again, I believe most will hear some new things and because we're going to begin to explore this word of gratitude and thankfulness as something more than a recommended virtue. It's a key of gratitude. It's an advanced tool. Again, this thing of advanced tools, Bob was shown that even most of the leaders in the body of Christ do not have the advanced tools, the advanced tools of hope, the advanced tools of the knowledge of God. And so they begin to uh, perceive things that are taking place even in the spirit. And I believe this has been uh, very true of much of the prophetic camp. They have lived off the old way they used to do things and they have not been leaving the earth enough to see really from the Lord's perspective. And so we're getting a lot of fear instead of hope even coming out of the prophetic camp. And I wanna tell you again, if you see a prophetic word and when you read it, what it stirs in you is fear, it's If it did not take you to hope, it's not God. It may be truth or facts, but it's not God. You know, facts. Goliath was a big guy, and he had a bronze helmet, and he had a big lance, and he had all these thick, unpenetrable uh, armor. Facts. Truth was that David could easily kill him. The most anticlimactic battle in the history of civilization. Five seconds. Did it really matter? Was there really a need for studying the giant? Was there really a need for going over how much everything weighed? Somebody went through there and weighed everything they described in the Bible. One David said, this is an illegal, this is an uncircumcised Philistine in our land. He has no covenant with God. What is he doing here? I am going to kill him in the name of the Lord. And so that's a different perspective. And so we are to have that perspective and so facts do not become the truth and especially if they're not from the perspective of above the clouds the lord's perspective so i want you to look with me a few scriptures psalms 6930 psalm 6930 I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This is kind of our entrance into this specific word on the advanced tool of gratitude. And it's gratitude towards the Lord, thanksgiving towards the Lord. David begins to say how he will magnify him. We've given you the scripture, Psalm 34, three and four, to magnify the Lord. We find out here that a key, one of the ways of magnifying him, making him larger, making him larger in our life is when we can begin to enter into thanksgiving. So there's a value. are several values at this, this key of gratitude. Yes, it is a basic virtue. Uh, and it's, it, it's, it's, but the other thing is he gets magnified when we thank, when we, when we have gratitude to the creator. Yes, it is a basic duty of mankind. But above the ought to aspect of it, Thanksgiving, gratitude, it does much more. Uh, gratitude unlocks the treasure of your own heart. I want to say that one more time. Gratitude unlocks the treasure of your own heart. It magnifies God. It reimages him in your life, thus activating the part of him you are aware of. I'll say that part again, too. Gratitude to the Lord, thanksgiving to God, magnifies God, causes him to be seen in a larger way. It re-images him in your life, thus activating that part of him that you are aware of. One of the reasons we live way below the level of everything that we're supposed to, peace, joy, happiness, provision, all kinds of things, is because we have not been able to have him re seeing this re-image of himself close to us. And so we have not seen this part of activated into our life. Thankfulness unlocks your heart to his image. Just got a few quotes here and there I want to read to you. Your state of happiness, this is from me, your state of happiness will be in direct proportion to your Gratitude. most specifically, your gratitude to God. Your state of happiness will be in direct proportion to how you've developed this key of gratitude. More money really won't make you happier, except for a few hours. Then you'll start worrying about losing it. A mate, or or a better mate, won't make you significantly happier. Promotions, attention, fame, none provide happiness for more than just a a brief moment, momentary. And this is proven throughout history. And uh, I have some more scriptures to read, but speaking of quotes, I now have some from some... Famous people, some of them I know who they are, some I don't. I might know all the ones I actually kept. Cicero said, Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all others. Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all others. Chuck Swindoll had this quote, and I'm not going to go into the whole quote, but basically he has a statement that in 50 years of ministry, He has 50 years of ministry, not just a living, living, but 50 years of ministry and watching every situation and circumstance. He's watched everything imaginable as a pastor. He's watched every kind of tragedy, every kind of blessing, every kind of promotion, every kind of demotion, every kind of circumstance of life imaginable. And he said he's come up with a determination, a simple, observable reality People are 90% attitude and 10% what happens. We'll say instead of just attitude, we'll call it gratitude attitude. But I'm going to suggest that that's true. That life is 90% your ability to exercise gratitude as far as getting a happiness quotient from it, and 10% what actually happens to you. If you don't believe that, all you have to do is observe the people who have made the greater fame, the greater money, the greater everything else. You'll find some of the most desperate people, the most miserable people in the world. We know it's every week a story from Hollywood, from those who have the maximum fame, the maximum money, being taken back to rehab and they're having to live off alcohol and drugs just to survive the mental pressures of what's going on. So obviously, you know, if, if, if it occurs to us, if I was just, some more people knew me, who I was. If I just had a little more finances. If I had this, if I had the other. You get the point. John Henry Jowett. Or Jowett. Jowett however his name is supposed to be pronounced. Life, I like this, life without thankfulness is devoid of love and passion. Hope without thankfulness is lacking in fine perception. Hope without thankfulness is lacking in fine perception. We're trying to hone our our hope. Faith without thankfulness lacks strength and fortitude. Every virtue divorced from thankfulness is maimed and limps along the spiritual road. Every virtue divorced from thankfulness is maimed and limps along the spiritual road. Charles Spurgeon said, you say if I had a little more, I should be very satisfied. I was trying to get his voice, but I don't know what it is. You say, if I had a little more, I should be very satisfied. You make a mistake. If you're not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied were it doubled. I want you to know where I'm going is not to feel guilty about not being thankful enough. Probably already hit that one. (laughs) Henry Ward Beecher. Pride slays thanksgiving, but a humble mind is the soil of which thanks naturally grows a proud man is seldom a grateful man for he never thinks he gets as much as he deserves it's just kind of insightful there then i put another quote by me not that it should be in the same category but gratitude comes by the intentional gaze at a recognized characteristic of his beauty. Gratitude comes by the intentional gaze at a recognized characteristic of his beauty. will do a couple more. One more. Harry a. Ironside. We would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Psalm 107. We really just have a little bit more and then we want to get into a little exercise of this. I believe there's an impartation even from some of the things that David writes. I remember years ago I was asking the Lord, What's the key of David? I've shared some of this before because it says Isaiah, give us, he would lay upon his shoulder the key of David, and the key of David is you can open and shut. What you open stays open, what you shut stays shut. And I've heard many messages on. You know what was the key of David? Well, he's a worshiper. He's a warrior. He's a prophetic guy. He's a king. He's he's all these things, and uh, and that's really what the Lord said. He said the key of David this is it's like a key it has many little grooves, and you have to study his life. There's so many things of David, There's so many things, and one of them is his heart of gratitude. One of them is how he would live out of thanksgiving, and. Uh, You'll see a lot of this in Psalm 107. We're just going to pick out some of the verses. And I believe there is just some impartation in reading the Scripture on these things. And something, uh, just as I was reading, I know my heart just began to be uh, filled with thanksgiving for the Lord. Psalm 107, 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I want to ask you to the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever. He was able to identify not just that we should do it as a good discipline. Well, it's, you know, a good characteristic, good character qualities. Why he is good. He is good and his mercy never ends. David would talk regularly. It's throughout the Psalms about the goodness and the mercy of the Lord. You know, even Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. These are aspects of who he is. His mercy endures forever. His mercy personally towards you, towards your messed up brain and fleshy and selfishness. His mercy endures forever He remains ever hopeful towards us in his view of us. He is good. Verse 8. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And he goes on why he should again. He satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry soul with goodness. probably shouldn't go there, but that's why I can't just eat bad-tasting food that's good for you. (laughs) He fills the hungry soul with goodness. There's got to be good-tasting stuff, too. I better leave that one going. 15... Verse 15, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Goes on to tell another aspect of his goodness. Verse 21, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Now, verse 22, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Declare his works with rejoicing. Even in that, sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving. It's an effort. It may not come out naturally up front. You make a sacrifice, you choose to do something, you choose to find that area of Him that needs to be gazed at and recognize the beauty of it. We'll get to that in a moment, too. Verse 31. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of elders. Again, goes on, all the things he does. And he closes that chapter with verse 43. Whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Whoever is wise will notice God and thank him. Psalm 116, 17. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will call upon the name of the Lord. Again, offering the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And this is all the context. This is advanced tool in the knowledge of God, the advanced tool of gratitude. Goes with the season of adoration. Psalm 100. Could have gone back there first if we did it all in order. This is the way it was coming to me. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. There is a way the king wishes to be approached. We won't look there, but Psalm 95 two says, Come before his presence with thanksgiving. You go, well, why is he, is he insecure or what? Why does he need to be thanked as we come into his presence? Well, how do you like to be approached by your kids, your husband, your wife? Doesn't it just change everything if they come to you and first, before they ask you if they're your kids for more things? I just want to thank you for, it's like, oh, so your heart just opens up and then you can hear the rest of what they have to say. Well, we are in his image. We have this similarity. He is, you know, he is Way above us in every kind of way. He has perfect emotional response. We have mixed responses, but there is a similarity. And he says, this is the way we enter. This is the way we connect him. We come and we thank him. And his heart is just open towards us, and it opens up our own heart. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Psalm 119, 62. David says at midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. He gets up at midnight. You think of judgments. This is righteous decisions. Like he's pondering. It's like the things God has done. That was just David's perspective back then. The righteous decisions he has made. That's before we saw Jesus and everything else and the cross and things we know of his plan of redemption He says, I just have to get up at midnight and just thank you. Getting more clues and keys. Wow. Wow. Why, despite the fact that he had some serious sins in his life that he had to repent of, the Lord says, he's a man after my heart. And he's honored till this day. We thank him enough. We start becoming his favorite son, his favorite daughter. Last scripture, Nehemiah 12. One of the things the Lord's been speaking over and over to me and hopefully through me is what he's about to do in these latter days, weeks, months, years. It is going to be awesome. It is going to be amazing. It's going to be good. And He's going to do it one way or the other. He is the guarantor of every good thing that's going to take place in the last days. Again, we got to get that straight. He is sovereign, He's in charge. He is God. He is huge. He's good. He sent Jesus, He paid a price. He's not coming to pay a price again. He paid it once and for all redemption for mankind and to pay the price for the restoration of authority and dominion here on earth. He has no more price to pay. It's taken care of the guarantor of everything that's going to happen is the blood of Jesus. It was a severe price. And and it's, you know, there's an aspect of uh, even what comes out through charismatic circles, prophetic circles is, is there's some weight on us. If we don't get it right. Uh, you know, he, poor God, he's just sitting up there waiting. To, some people get it going. And, and he is, there's this thing of the fullness of time and, and, and how he is able to manage uh, uh, time's, and, 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 the, and Ephesians 1 talks about the fullness of time when he wraps up all things into Jesus, to his son and in him. And you read Ephesians 1 and you uh, you have a hard time believing anything other than the absolute sovereignty of God, even though we have free will. Was <laughs> a song years ago. He does not compel us to go against our will. He just makes us willing to go. And um, he has... A lot of tools at his disposal. And so the point I want to get at, though, what he's going to do in these last days, why he wants the word to get out. Part of what I believe is my assignment mission is to get. As I get the message out, what God's going to do is stir God's people to be excited about the coming days. He wants us to enjoy it. It's I've said before, it's like when we're going to take our kids to Disney World. She's like, how dare you bring up Disney World in a church setting? I don't even have time for that one. But you tell your kids you're going to, you don't just surprise them and drive. And then here's Disney World. You tell them weeks, months, maybe a year ahead of time. You want them to be excited about it. So when they get there, there's the whole excitement ahead of time, before, during, and after. Well, what he's going to do on planet Earth, he wants us to enjoy it before, during, and after. He wants people to carry it with joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's part of the DNA. The kingdom comes that way. The coming kingdom, when it talks all these scriptures about he's shaking everything because he can release his kingdom, we are receiving his kingdom, it's coming in joy. And so we have to know how to receive his joy. Be excited about it. All that to go in Ephesians, I mean, Nehemiah 12. You know, this was this whole story of Nehemiah being awakened by the Lord in his spirit. And, and in short order, once he's awakened to what his responsibility is, he gets the people together and they rebuild, broken down Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been for over 100 years just trodden upon as just a broken down city. And... Uh, He gets God's people fired up, gets a message there. Many things take place. And so, uh, in relatively short order, they rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. There's this whole excitement about a city being restored. That same God exists now. He's not just interested. He is most interested in people getting saved. But he's not just interested in that. He has a plan here on earth. Again, creation groans and travails, Romans 8. Not just... It doesn't say at all for Jesus to return. They're groaning, travailing. Where are the sons of God walking in the dimension of what they're supposed to walk in? And so they get this Nehemiah 12. They're done with the wall. And it's time to dedicate the wall. And this is what I want, the scripture I want to close with. Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, Nehemiah 12, 27, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness. Both with thanksgivings and sings, with cymbals and string instruments and harps, and the sons of the singers gathered together from the countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netophathites, from the house of Gilgal, and from the fields of Geba and Azmuthbeth, something like that. For the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. Then the priests and Levites purified themselves and purified the people, the gates, and the wall. So I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall. Nehemiah says, he brings the leaders of Judah upon the wall and appointed two large Thanksgiving choirs. For those of you who didn't think choirs were biblical, apparently there are. And appointed two large Thanksgiving choirs. One went to the right hand on the wall toward the refuse gate. After them went Hoshaiah and half of the leaders of Judah and Azariah and Ezra and Meshulam and Judah and Benjamin and Shemaiah and Jeremiah and some of the prophets, the priests' sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mattaniah the son of Micaiah, the son of Zachar, the son of Asaph. They really wanted to know who it was. And his brethren, Shemaiah, Azrael, Meliah, just speak in tongues and you'll get to about five of them Gilali, Mai, Nathaniel, Judah, and Hanani. With the musical instruments of David, the man of God. I like how they call him. With the musical instruments of David, the man of God. He's just called the man of God. This guy full of Thanksgiving and Ezra, the scribe went before them by the fountain gate in front of them. And they went up the stairs of the city of David on the stairway of the wall beyond the house of David, as far as the water gate eastward. The other Thanksgiving choir went the opposite way. I was behind them with half the people on the wall going past the tower of the ovens, as far as the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim, above the old gate, above the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate. So they stopped by the gate of the prison. So the two thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God likewise, I and half of the rulers with me, and the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Minjim, Micaiah, and with trumpets. Also, more, in the Ezer, the singers sang loudly with Jezrehiah, the director. They sang loudly Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy. Just just that whole series of... Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, like overkill. They rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. I just want to make that point again. There's this whole context of joy and rejoicing, but it really comes out of this... Ability to recognize God and to see him and to thank him. And what we're going to do in just a moment, because I began to do this uh, myself, I just began as I thanked the Lord. It was amazing what my own heart began to do and how it began to respond. This works this way to the Lord first. Then it goes this way also. It goes uh, with those who are around us. But it is amazing that when you don't stop and try to take a moment to recognize what he's already done, how your heart begins to shut down, and it begins to just want, just wants, it wants more, I need more fame, I need more attention, I need, I need more respect, I need more money, I need more something, and you don't realize how much you already have, and again, the whole key of life, I'm telling you, this is a whole key of the happiness, of our happiness, the key of happiness This advanced tool of gratitude. But besides that, it's the way you approach the king. It allows you entrance into a deeper dimension of his heart. To see more. To feel more. And, um, you know, I was just amazing that they're here in the Old Testament. This old city of Jerusalem. They've rebuilt the walls and they are rejoicing with great joy. And they described the joy in every conceivable way, and I just wrote down, made notes, some things. I was like, "Wow!" And there was no internet, no movies, no cell phones, no ice cream, no TV, no airplanes, no air conditioning, and they're still rejoicing with great joy. There's no running water. There's no insurance. No 401ks. No cars. Not even motorcycles. No Nikes. No Gucci purses. No name brand clothes. No indoor plumbing at all. And they're happy. No football, no baseball, no basketball, no soccer. Dang. And they're happy. And there's joy without that. No medical insurance? No hot water? No refrigerator? I grew up five years with no hot water. Wasn't that fun? I was in Peru, it was a long story. No spring mattress? Or waterbeds or posturpedic mattresses? And they're still happy. They can rejoice. No Starbucks? Oh I got a little close, didn't I? No Baskin Robbins, no toilet paper. Is it possible to be happy without toilet paper? If you're thankful, all of these are overcome. No college degrees, no toasters, no Coca Cola. and yet joyful. How is this possible? Say it again. Happiness has nothing to do with your conveniences. Happiness has nothing to do with your conveniences. Happiness has nothing to do with our conveniences. It's recognizing God. It is a heart perspective that recognizes God. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We got to just step into this a little bit because it's not the point. You're feeling, oh, yeah, convicted. I think we are be beyond that. It's that it's a tool. It's a key. It unlocks our heart. It unlocks his heart. It unlocks deeper parts of his heart towards us, deeper parts of our hearts towards him. Relational growth. I was just practicing even on my way to church tonight. And I, want, I was just doing it out loud, because I was like, there's, you know, there's practical things you do. And I just began thanking God. I thanked him first for my wife, Elizabeth. And not just in my thoughts, but out loud. And it's funny, just as I allowed the flow, I, I could think of more things. I, like before I started, I was like, what am I gonna thank for him for about her? But as I began to talk, things just came to me. It unlocked parts of my heart, even towards her. And so then I, I, I began to go, into uh, my kids, children, my daughters, my four daughters, one by one, thanking God for them. This is not even going to them and thanking them for anything. are just thanking God for it. And, and then it just, stuff began to flow. And I really saw, wow, this unlocks more aspects of my own heart. It's beyond just the right thing to do. And then I was okay, I want to do more. It's like, okay, what was my favorite meal this week? You're like, how do you develop Thanksgiving? So then I thought of that. I went to Cracker Barrel, and I love breakfast. And there's French toast and eggs and bacon was so good. And I said, Thank you, Lord. I bless that bacon that went in. <laughs> you satisfy me with good things. <clears throat> and um, sorry for, yeah. And, and, and then I was like, OK, what was the, my, my neat surprise of, uh, uh, you know, just the thing that the surprise of the week? And oh, I'll say that to Joanne gave me these coffee things and um, for my coffee maker. And I was like, I went home. I said, look what I got. And it was just exciting. Thank you. You know, and, and so I thank you again, Joanne, but I thank God for that. And, and um, then you just thank him for health, wealth. You know, even if you have some problems in your health, you can there's some dimension you can go to and thanking him for. You know, even if, if 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 you can't walk, you're still breathing. It's, but it's not, a, you know. There's nobody's in that position uh, here, and even in, in provision, whatever. There's something He's providing for. I don't. I doubt anybody. You know, if you went to bed hungry this week, uh, any night, it was probably choice. You're doing a fast or a diet or something, not because you had to. It still would have been. It wouldn't have been the end of the world if you had. Uh, anyway, but I doubt that has, that has happened. That's another thing David said when he was old, he said, I've been young and I'm now old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. I think one of the reasons we enter into this place of lack is we don't see him. We don't thank him. We don't, we don't recognize, we don't gaze at his beauty. He's not re-imaged in our midst, and so we do not see these things accessed. So what I wanna ask you to do, just for a couple of moments here, just using these very examples. You are going to watch, it'll just change the atmosphere, even corporately, in this place here. In fact, just if, you, if we can do this together, I'm just amazed at how much the river of God is increasing in this place by as many of you entering into adoration as it is. It's clearly, there's something more of his heart being unlocked in this place as our hearts are getting unlocked towards him in adoration. And um, just starting with, if you have a a, a husband, a husband or a hive, your close relationships, husband, wife, everyone has at least a mom or dad or, or somebody around you. And even if most of your relationships are broken, you have somebody around you. You know, I realize there's, people have come out of incredible uh, fractures and uh, of, of uh, not your fault and, and family and every kind of thing, but I, I know God has somebody around you. And whoever's the closest person around you, start there. And just out loud, uh, just right now, let's just begin. You just do it. And I don't know if I make enough noise so you don't feel... Uh, um, um, self-conscious, but just if it's whispering or, or, or whatever, just begin to thank God for that person around you. And watch as you begin to speak. I'll just keep talking so that it, it, it drowns out whatever else is going on. As you begin talking, you'll see that it begins to re- release part of your heart towards that person. You'll forget the things about them that are aggravating you, and you'll begin to thank them, thank God for them, and you'll be able to find the treasure there that's like in you. them. To donate go online to restore7.org. Thank you.